part three. My alarm clock rings at 6.43. I purposely wake up early so I can give the treat bags to Cynthia on my way to work. Cynthia works at the public school on 41st Street. She usually leaves her house by 7.05. I walk downstairs to the kitchen and select a new plastic bag to use for a briefcase. I gather up my wallet, my keys, and my list of things to do for the day and stuff them inside the bag. Today is the day I have to apologize to Serena. I still don't know what I'm going to say. It is 7.03. I look out the front window. It has stopped raining. I get my jacket from the front hall closet and grab the bag of treats that I placed by the door. The mummy still sits in the rocking chair. I will have to put him away tonight. I walk across the lawn to Cynthia's house. The grass is still wet from the rain. It is 7.04 when I ring her doorbell. Cynthia opens the door wearing a faded blue trench coat. Yes? Oh, hi, Harold. Here, Cynthia. I thought the kids might enjoy these. I hand her the bag of treat bags. She nods and follows me out the door. Thanks, Harold. That's great. Too bad about the rain last night. I had 93 bags left over this year. Sorry, Harold. Not many kids came to our house either. I follow Cynthia to her car. She places the treat bags next to a large stack of papers in the back seat. Well, thanks, Harold. The kids will love these. I'll see you later. Cynthia climbs into the front seat and closes the door. She waves to me as she drives away. I hear her husband and kids yelling inside the house. It is 7.09. I turn and walk towards the subway. I purposely walk more slowly this morning so I don't get to work too early. The air is still damp and it smells like wet leaves. There are soggy candy wrappers scattered all over the sidewalk. It is 7.21 when I reach the train station. The train is elevated and there are two flights of stairs to the station platform. The woman in front of me is walking much too slowly up the first staircase. I try to get around her, but she has positioned herself precisely in the middle of the staircase so there isn't enough room to pass. She steps up to the next stair and pauses, then to the next stair and pauses. I sigh louder than I need to and hope she hears me. When we reach the top of the stairs, I dart around her and run up the second flight of stairs. I am out of breath when I reach the subway platform. The train opens its doors at 7.32. I take the inside seat closest to the window and start to work on my apology to Serena. I open the plastic bag I used for a briefcase and write in the back of my list of things to do for the day. 1. Dear Serena, I am sorry you are so fat, ugly, and slow. I laugh out loud at this. Maybe this won't be so bad after all. 2. Dear Serena, I am sorry you are snooping around my work area. Please finish signing the checks. 3. Dear Serena, I am sorry you had only two breakfasts today. Better luck tomorrow. It is 8.33 when I reach 103rd Street Station. I put the list away, walk upstairs, and wait online for my large black coffee and buttered roll. There are still puddles from the rain last night. There is broken glass all over the street. I walk across the park towards the foundation. There is police tape blocking off the corner of 103rd and Madison another neighborhood crime. I walk around the tape and think about what I am really going to say to Serena. 
It is 8.43 when Walter the elevator man comes. I feel like she looks today, Walter. Yeah, what's that? I don't bother to explain. I get in the elevator and watch the numbers until we get to six. It is 8.47 when I get to my desk. There is a large stack of invoices on my chair and a note from Serena that says, Checks in safe. I guess she signed the checks after all. I should be able to send the old checks out this morning and start the new checks after lunch. I eat my roll and drink my coffee until 8.59. I call Mr. Thompson at exactly 9 o'clock. He isn't in yet, so I leave him a voicemail. Serena isn't in yet either, so I get to work on the check run. The phone rings at 9.20. I expect it to be Mr. Thompson, but instead it is Stephanie, the intern from the fifth floor. Um, hi, Harold? I don't wait for her to finish. I tell her Serena isn't in and hang up the phone. It is 9.40 and I still haven't heard from Mr. Thompson. I consider calling him again to make sure he got my message. I decide not to call just yet. Maybe he is waiting for Serena. It is 10.20 and Serena still isn't in. This is late, even for her. Maybe she went directly to Mr. Thompson's office instead of coming upstairs. I consider calling Mr. Thompson again, but decide to wait a little longer. The phone rings at 11.10. I pick it up on the first ring. Yes, this is Harold. Hello, Harold. This is Mr. Thompson. Finally. Oh, Mr. Thompson, I left you a message before. I wasn't sure if you got it. Yes, thank you. Harold, I would like you to come to my office, please. Serena must have gone directly to his office. I hang up the phone and walk downstairs. Mr. Thompson is waiting for me at his door. Yes, Harold, please come in. I walk into Mr. Thompson's office. There are two strangers already seated, a man and a woman. I look around, but I don't see Serena. Harold, these are detectives from the New York City Police Department. Detectives? Maybe they're going to arrest Serena for stealing my notepad. Harold, the detectives would like to speak with you. I will be in the next room. Thompson leaves and closes the door behind him. The woman starts speaking. Hello, Harold. I'm Detective Vasquez. This is my partner, Detective Duggan. She waits for me to respond. I wait for her to continue. How are you today, Harold? What? Uh, uh, I'm fine, I guess. That's good, Harold. I understand that you were out for a few days. Yes. I'm not sure why she knows that. Did you enjoy your time off? Not really, no. She pauses for a minute. Harold, how would you describe your relationship with Serena Morelli? Relationship? I hear myself snort. Yes, Harold. How would you describe your relationship? She's my supervisor. And how do you like your supervisor? We don't get along. She pauses again. I'm not sure where this is going. Harold, Serena was murdered last night. What? She was murdered. Stabbed. We found her on the corner of 103rd and Madison. 103rd and Madison? That was the police tape. I feel myself start to laugh. Do you think that's funny, Harold? Oh, of course not. The laugh continues to form. I stare down at the floor and force myself to stop. That's an interesting reaction, Harold. 
It's the man speaking this time. Are you glad she's dead? No, it's just... No? Because it looks to us like you wanted her dead. He has my notebook in his hands. He flips to one of the pages. October 4th. Number one. Print AP checks. Number two. Set up account. Number three. Make deposit. Number four. Kill Serena. October 4th must have been a Tuesday. He flips to another page. October 5th. Number one. Remind Serena about AP checks. Number two. Remind Serena about deposit. Number three. Kill Serena. Number four. Buy balloons. He flips to another page. October 6th. Number one. Remind Serena again about AP checks. Number two. Kill Serena. So what's going on, Harold? That's, that's my notepad. Yes, Harold. We see that. It looks to me like you've wanted her dead for a while. I, I didn't really mean that. I, I wrote that as a joke. A joke? Yes, it was just a joke. It's kind of a strange joke, Harold. And what are the balloons for on October 5th? Is that to celebrate killing her? No, those were for the treat bags for Halloween. They both look at me for a moment. Now the woman speaks again. Harold. How long have you known Walter Mendelssohn? Walter Mendelssohn is Walter, the elevator man. He's worked here as long as me. So would you say you know him well? I've known him a while, yes. Walter said that you told him the other day that you wished you could stab Serena. Is that true? I don't respond. He said you said, and I quote, I wish I could take this sickle and stab Serena. Did you say that, Harold? So Walter can hear after all. I might have, yes. I had a sickle for my Halloween costume. But it was plastic. I was joking. Another joke, Harold? Yes, a joke. Walter said you also told him, I wish I could take Serena for a walk under the scaffolding. And what did you mean by that, Harold? That was the scaffolding that collapsed last week. But that was a joke, too. Another joke? Yes. Both detectives are silent for a moment. Then the man speaks again. You're a funny guy, you know that, Harold? I don't say anything. Maybe you'd like to come down to the precinct and tell some more jokes. I think we'd like that down at the precinct. How about you come with us now? The precinct? Now the woman speaks again. Harold, can you tell us where you were last night between 6 and 8? Yes, last night was Halloween. And? I was home handing out treat bags to trick-or-treaters. Home alone? Yes. And did anyone see you? Yes, the trick-or-treaters. There were seven trick-or-treaters. Seven? Yes. That's not a lot of trick-or-treaters, Harold. It was raining. And can any of them verify that you were home? Yes, my neighbor, Cynthia. Cynthia who? Cynthia Robich. She's my next-door neighbor. Okay, Harold. We'll check with Cynthia. In the meantime, we would like you to come with us to the precinct. Am I under arrest? No, Harold. It's just to wait while we clear up a few things. You don't mind, do you? I followed the detectives out of Mr. Thompson's office. 
We walk past Mr. Thompson. He watches me silently as we leave. It is 2.43, and I am alone in the interrogation room at the precinct. There is a single table, some chairs, and a large mirror on the wall, just like Law and Order. I wonder if there are people watching me behind the mirror. I feel myself start to laugh. The detective said they were going to Queens to talk to Cynthia. It shouldn't be long now. Cynthia gets home from school a little before three. But I am officially tired of waiting. Serena is dead, and she still makes me wait. It is 3.21, and my legs are restless from sitting. I cross them, uncross them, and shift in my seat. I have never been in trouble with the police before. I wonder briefly what would happen if I got up and left, but I decide against it and stay seated. It is 5.37 when the detectives come back. I startle as the door opens, and the man detective smirks. The woman sits down across from me, but the man paces around the room. The woman speaks first. So, Harold, we spoke to your neighbor. She confirmed that she and her kids went trick-or-treating at your house. Good. So we're done? But she said she went in the afternoon, right after school. Not between six and eight. Well, that's true. But I was home the whole evening handing out treat bags. Did anyone else see you? Yes, there were three others, but I'm not sure who they were. They were dressed as ghosts. Ghosts? With sheets? Yes. Were they young children or older? I don't know. They were wearing sheets. White sheets with black umbrellas. But were they short or taller? Short, I guess. Or medium. The man sighs loudly and continues to pace. The woman keeps talking. Did they have a parent with them? I don't know. It was dark. At what time was that? Six o'clock. Okay, Harold. We can try to find the ghosts. But Cynthia also said that the person who answered your door was dressed in a Grim Reaper costume. That's right. I was the Grim Reaper from Scream. Did you have a mask? Yes. And a cloak? Yes. And a hood? Yes. So how did she know it was you? What? The woman smiles slightly and continues. Did you speak to Cynthia when you answered the door? I think I nodded hello. But did you speak? Well, no. I think I just nodded. So again, how did she know it was you in the costume and not someone else working with you? I don't know what to say to this, and I feel a laugh forming. And the ghosts? Did you speak to them, or did you just nod at them also? My laughs bubble over. This is stupid. I live by myself. Who else would it be at my door? Now the man jumps in. Really, Harold? You think this is funny? Because here's another thing. We checked your computer from work. No wonder they took so long. I thought they were just going to Queens. Harold, what is the password for your work computer? My password? My pause. K-I-L-L-1. We saw that, Harold. Tape right to your computer. And why is that, Harold? I don't respond. We found some interesting things on your computer, Harold. Do you ever log on to eBay at work? Sometimes during lunch. Only during lunch? Not when you're supposed to be working? Sometimes I do, when I'm not busy. It's okay, Harold. We won't tell. But you have an interesting bidding history. I am silent. 
I don't like where this is going. Why were you bidding on sodium cyanide, Harold? That was for my chemistry set. You sure, Harold? Because it sounds like you were trying to poison somebody. Like you were trying to kill one. No, I have a Gilbert chemistry set from 1936. I'm trying to replace all the parts. Well, that's really interesting, Harold. I think we'd like to see that set. You don't mind, do you? What? You don't mind if we take another trip to Queens, take a look around your house. You can show us your chemistry set. You mean now? Any minute now. Just as soon as the judge signs the warrant. It is 7.43 by the time we get to Queens. I unlock the front door, turn on the hall light, and let the detectives inside. The man detective looks over the mummy as they walk through the hallway. Okay, Harold, our warrant is for everything in your house, including your computer. Let's start with this. He points to the mummy. What's this, Harold? I made that. Halloween. It's just some old clothes and newspapers. He puts on gloves and peels back one of the ace bandages. He nods and walks on to the kitchen. I turn on the kitchen light and they start searching through my drawers and cabinets. They find my utensil drawer and start picking out the knives. We're going to have to take these, Harold, back to the lab. They look over the knives and put them into plastic evidence bags. The knives are old and dull, but they take them anyway. None are missing from the set. They open the pantry and it is empty except for a roll of black streamers, a box of birthday candles, and the extra balloons from the treat bags. They don't take these. They open the freezer and take out all my hungry man dinners. Not much of a cook, are you, Harold? They put the dinners back and close the freezer. They go upstairs to my bedroom. My scream costume is in a pile on the floor and a plastic sickle rests against the wall. The man detective looks at the woman detective and smirks. Is this your costume, Harold? We're going to have to take this, too. Will I get it back? Sure, Harold. We'll take extra special care. They bag the costume and the sickle. I don't want them taking these. They start looking through my dresser drawers, and I don't like this either. Then they open my closet and start pouring through my work shirts. What were you wearing on Halloween, Harold? I told you, my scream costume. But underneath the costume... Just regular clothes, I guess. They look through my hamper and put a few things into evidence bags. They won't find blood, but some of my socks have holes, and I don't like them seeing this. I make a mental note to buy new underwear. Which shoes were you wearing, Harold? My sneakers, by the front door. They move on to the attic and point to the large Tupperware bin stacked against the wall. What are these, Harold? Those are my Christmas lights. I have 72 strings of lights, carefully arranged so they won't tangle. I have 12 strings of each color. Red, white, green, pink, yellow, and blue. I was going to start testing the lights next weekend after I take down the Halloween decorations. All of these are Christmas lights? They pry open the lid from the first container, pull out the red and pink lights, and put them back again. Yes, they're for outside, on the porch and the roof. I do it every year. They're not being careful enough with the lights. I offer to put them back myself, but they tell me to stand back. I start pacing back and forth. They move on to the second container, and then the third. I clench my fists and stop myself from hovering. 
Why so nervous, Harold? I spent a lot of time arranging those. Please don't tangle them. The detectives look at each other, but don't say anything. They close the last bin and move on to the corner. What's under here, Harold? They point to a large mound under a black top. It's just more Christmas decorations, but the shape resembles a body. That's my light-up snowman for the lawn. They pull back the top and confirm the snowman. The man detective puffs his cheek and exhales. So where are the chemistry sets, Harold? We walked downstairs to the basement and I showed him my workbench. I point to the sets, but the man stops and picks up my reporter's notebook. What's this, Harold? More lists? He flips through my notebook. Friday, October 28th. Number one. Ward Science 3D Anatomical Pregnant Shark Model. Friday, 12.43 p.m. What does that mean, Harold? That's just a list of eBay items I was bidding on. He looks at me. Why were you bidding on that, Harold? What were you going to do with that? I, I don't really know. Number two, Kona's Pathological Human Tissues Educational Microscope Slide Set. What's that for, Harold? I don't say anything. He continues to read. Number three, the Preparatory Manual of Explosives. Radical, extreme, experimental. He looks at me again. Are you a radical, Harold? Are you extreme? I don't respond. Number four. Boom, splat, kablooey, Monday, 6.11 p.m. Is that when you plan to kill Serena? Monday at 6.11 p.m.? No, that's when the auction ended. Monday at 6.11 p.m. That's quite a coincidence, Harold, wouldn't you say? Boom, splat, kablooey, 6.11 p.m.? That's just the name of a science kit. It's made by Klutz. The auction ends at 6.11 p.m. Do you like explosives, Harold? No, I was just finding parts for my sets. I told you. Here, look. My inventory lists are all in that notebook. Turn to the beginning. He flips to the front, and I point to the page that says, Bottles missing. Potassium nitrate, sodium carbonate, sodium cyanide, tannic acid. He looks at his partner, and back to me. We're taking this with us, Harold. The sets, too. And your computer. He bags the notebook and bends down to disconnect the computer. The woman detective starts pulling out my chemistry sets. She takes the blue wooden case first. That's my Gilbert set from 1936. Be careful with that. It's the original box. It's okay, Harold. We're very careful. She pulls out the others. I don't want her touching them. They're all really fragile. Are you going to wrap them in something? It's fine, Harold. We know what to do. When will I get them back? Do I get a receipt? You'll get it back when we're done. They start taking everything upstairs. My sets, my notebook, my computer, everything. My workbench looks empty. I can see the outline of the set boxes in the dust on the tabletop. I follow them upstairs. They find my sneakers by the front door and bag them too. I think it a Grinch taking the last crumb from the fireplace. So what happens now? Am I under arrest? The man raises his eyebrows, but the woman answers. No, Harold. 
but please don't go anywhere without contacting us first. We may need to reach you. She hands me her card. Detective Rose Vasquez. The detectives leave, and I lock the door behind them. It is 9.22. I walk to the kitchen, take out one of my Hungry Man dinners, and put it in a microwave to cook. I check my voicemail, and there are two messages. The first is from my neighbor, Cynthia. She said the police were by earlier, and she wanted to make sure that everything was okay. I played a message twice. It was nice of her to call. I will stop by and see her tomorrow. The second is from Mr. Thompson at work. He said I am suspended without pay again until further notice. The microwave beeps, and I wait for my dinner to cool. Tomorrow is Wednesday. I will wake up early, get the papers, and try to find a good lawyer.